Welcome, everybody, to the uh, Camping Inquiry Program participants uh, chapel this Friday. Um, before we start, I'd like to um, recognize, point your attention to the Camping Inquiry Program participants who are over here and uh, our fearless director, Bob Yoder. And if they're in, uh, the camp directors that are here for the day would uh, stand up so they can be uh, recognized as well. They're over here. And uh, they'll be here today over in the union, I believe, with information about um, camps and that kind of thing. So uh, this morning, before we begin sharing our songs and our stories, I want you to pause on this winter morning to remember and to imagine. Remember what summer was like. Remember the warmth, the ability to be outside in just a t-shirt. Remember the smell of wood smoke and marshmallows. Remember and imagine. Imagine yourself surrounded. Imagine yourself surrounded in the summer night by friends your age seeking Christ and being filled. Imagine yourself surrounded by singing, laughing children, looking not for academic theology, but for simple attention, love, and a funny song to sing. Imagine yourself in the mountains of Colorado, uh, surrounded by rocky peaks and cool valleys. Imagine yourself in the temperate rainforests of Oregon, surrounded by ancient moss-covered giants, Douglas firs, Sitka spruces, and western red cedars over 300 years old and over 200 feet tall. As we light this lamp, let the flame spark in your mind's eye the image of a crackling, popping campfire at the center of a community of fun and faith. This is what the Camping Inquiry program looks like in my mind. Today, there are several groups of people here who have been inspired and changed by experiences at Mennonites and other Christian summer camps. Uh, there are those of you who remember going to summer camp as younger people and perhaps might want to revisit, revisit a few of those memories today. There are representatives from camps here from all around the country, uh, and they'll be set up with information in the union today. These are hardworking folks who have dedicated this portion of their lives to helping God's mission of healing and inspiration for hundreds of children, as well as appreciating and caring for God's creation. Finally, there are those of us who will come before you this morning to share with you how God has touched our lives in the context of summer camp through the Camping Inquiry program. As you listen to our songs and our stories, let your memories and your imagination take you with us to a place of beauty, a place of joy, and a place where God's work is done in the midst of God's most wonderful creation. Good morning. My name is Jake Miller. Hi, I'm Greg. And uh, this last summer I worked at Friedenswald Camp in near Cassopolis, Michigan. And uh, we're going to be playing uh, a few of our favorite camp songs. Um, this one, I don't know if you guys know it or not, but it, Cast your burden on Jesus. It's kind of a call and response song. So if, if you know it, sing loud. And why don't we stand? Yeah, you can't sing camp songs sitting down. It's a physical impossibility. What, where are we doing this? Yeah. Okay, good for it. Oh, and if anybody knows any motions to any of these songs and you want to do them, just uh, come up here and do them. That'd be super sweet.
Yeah. 
name's Hillary. Um, I'm a Bible major, but I'm not really the proof texting, memory verse quoting type of Bible major, um, which is basically just a disclaimer to say that, uh, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off the sin that, in, that hinders and that's, uh, <laughs> you know, the sin that hinders and so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race set out for us, uh, which was one of the verses that I was challenged to memorize this summer, um, and I memorized, I probably doubled the amount of verses that I have memorized this summer, um, and I was indeed surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses um, who were most surprising because Camp Deer Park is a pretty unconventional kind of camp. Um, it's centered about an hour and a half outside New York City, and most of the campers come from New York City as well as the counselors, uh, both from the wide variety of Mennonite churches there. Did you know there are actually 15 Mennonite churches in New York City? Um, and from the foster care system, we also had campers coming as well. Um, so it was just a great variety of people, um, from Joycey, who tried persistently to teach me step and dancing, um, to Brittany, who braided hair all the time, constantly, for campers and counselors alike, um, to Moises, our director, uh, who was just full of um, empathy for both the campers and the counselors and provided incredible support for us. Um, and Camp Deer Park is an interesting place because it is I, whenever I talk about it, I can't help but acknowledge that it is the most unselfconsciously anti-racist place that I have ever been because there's just a huge mix of people there and, you know, it doesn't really make a difference. It's just part of the place. And, and on the weekends, you have groups from an African-American men's Baptist retreat to a old order Mennonite church plant in the middle of Brooklyn where everyone um, of all different colors wears head coverings. And so it creates a really interesting um, dynamic. And when I first got there, I wasn't exactly sure what I was doing there, um, except at the risk of proof texting too much. Um, a verse that I learned at the end of the summer was Revelations um, 2-3, uh, wake up and um, strengthen what remains and is dying because your works are not yet complete in the sight of my God. And I woke up a lot, usually at 7 a.m., except on the day that we got up at 5.30 to go jump in the swimming pool early in the morning before the campers woke up, uh, which was quite an experience. And if I didn't wake up with energy and enthusiasm, well, then I would when I saw people wearing last year's shirt, like the one I have on right now, that reads, I am a promise, A, broken, B, kept, C, in the making, or D, all of the above. Um, and that would remind me and help me get through the day um, and give me a little bit more energy because the campers took so much more energy than I had. They all had more energy than me, so it was just took a lot to get through the day. Um, but it would also remind me... Um, of another verse that I quoted all the time, and all of the verses um, that you, the theme verses at camp, um, get turned into songs, and so people go back singing songs from last year, the year before, five years ago, uh, and one of those from a while back was, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, and you know the rest, but if you don't, you can go look for one of my campers and ask them. Thanks.
Hi, Corbin. Nice to see you here. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Asher Fast, and I spent this last summer working at Rocky Mountain Mennonite Camp. And one of the great things about working at Rocky Mountain is you get to lead hikes at times. If you know some of the hikes around the area, you get to lead the hikes with kids or the family campers later on. And I had really great experiences leading hikes with the kids because I love the interaction, fresh air, authority, um, <laughs> and Colorado has some pretty sweet views, um, if you didn't know that. But uh, I had really great experiences there, except for a fourth grader who dislodged a boulder and sent it tumbling down about hundreds of feet. So other than that, uh, it went really well. But uh, family camp tested me. I had a number of issues with um, some of the hikers. And there was one camper in particular. Every week there is a problem camper. And in family camp, you have your children, parents, and grandparents. And this problem camper was about 50 or so, a little bit higher. And so before I led one of the hikes, I told everybody, you know, standard protocol, everybody, you know, follow me, don't wander off. We want to make it there together, make it back, and we want to make it on time to lunch. So about 10 minutes into the hike, this problem camper wanders off. And I look back, he's nowhere to be found. I ask around where he is, nobody knows. So I go searching for him for a few minutes, uh, nowhere to be found. Uh, I come back to the group, and a few minutes later, he shows up and shows me some of the blueberries that he found. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I told him, you know, it, it would be nice if we can stay together as a group. And he told me that he knew the hike, and, you know, he can go off on his own. And there's not really much you can say to a 50-year-old man who wants to do whatever he wants to do. So we keep going, and there are various times throughout the hike that he wanders off and I told him he should still follow the group but he didn't and he actually got lost once and I had to run off about a quarter mile and yell at him to get his attention because we we're going to be late to lunch and the worst thing that could happen is me missing lunch so <laughs> there was that he took about six breaks to go to the bathroom uh, he was disturbing the wildlife uh, made me late for lunch, and I don't know, just created a bunch of issues that week. But uh, through that experience, I, I really learned patience, and I was stretched in that way. you to get a little bit of a feel of what camp is like, not only from our perspective, um, but from the perspective of someone whose job is camp all the time. Um, so this morning we have with us uh, a lot of representatives from camp, but one in particular that we're going to have share a little bit with you. Um, not exactly sure what he's going to say, but I know him uh, very well. Brandon Berge was, is the director. Um, at Bethany Birch's camp where I worked for two summers. Um, he started as a director at 22, fresh out of college. Um, that says a lot about uh, everything that you will hear, I think. Um, 
But Bethany Birches, where he is the director, is located in Plymouth, Vermont, in the Green Mountains. Uh, it's really a beautiful place, one of the most beautiful places that I've been. Um, and that's, I really didn't think about what I'm going to say, so that's all I'm going to say. And we'll let Brandon, who did think about what he's going to say a little bit, I think, uh, talk to you now. Brandon, we look forward to what you have to say. I spent a lot of time thinking about what I was going to say. I printed this off five minutes ago. Um, we need to take about five seconds to pause, and I'll tell you why in, in about six seconds. I think that most of you are on this journey currently of figuring out what it is you're going to spend your time and energy and resources doing. We saw about five minutes ago uh, two very good witnesses of what it looks like when you find something that you are meant to do. Um, and this isn't going to be a speech on the purpose-driven life. Uh, I still haven't read that book. Um, I think the theme is good, though. Elvis, uh, which is his camp name, and, and you'll understand why after experiencing that song, um, he is a good example of what it looks like when you connect with the thing that you are supposed to do. And I don't mean that there's one thing, but there's these things inside of us, this desire. Uh, and, and I'm just going to, for right now, for the sake of time, just, just call that life. And, and what I want to say is that as we begin to experience life, um, it looks something like what we just saw. And it looks something like what Elvis looks like during summer uh, as he's loving people the way that God has taught us. How many of you have learned very well uh, in the past years at college and could teach uh, most of what you know? Like if you were called on, you came up front, you could teach all of it right now. Uh, <laughs> how many of you have learned most of what you know sitting behind a desk being lectured to? This is, and I promise for all of you professors, I, I'm an aspiring professor, and this isn't an anti-college kick. I think what I want to say is there's things like skiing, there's things like playing basketball, there's, there's stuff that we do that teaches us things that are, that are beyond what we can know through talking. I mean, verbal communication is like 8% of total communication, right? When I talk to Greg, I say something, and what he sees is my body, and you get the idea. If you search BibleGateway.com, for the phrase, follow me, here's what you'll find, just, just from the New Testament. Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Matthew 19, 21, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. John 12, 26, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. John 21, 19, Jesus said to, to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me, exclamation point. John 21, 22, Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Acts 12, 8, then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him. I spent some time at the Weston Priory. A priory is a place where uh, Catholic men hang out and um, be with God. So this place is about 20 minutes from camp. It's a very special place. 
And they have this crazy perspective about the ways of God, the way that we learn the ways of God. As does Richard Foster and C.S. Lewis and Brian McLaren and Rob Bell and Constantine and St. Francis of Assisi, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, I think you could all insert other people in here who have um, demonstrated a special way uh, of how they've connected to God. I think that um, what I've begun to understand from some of these people who have gone before me is that uh, in order to understand God, in order to understand the way of God, you just have to go. I was in Indonesia um, with my wife's brother, Troy, this past year, and uh, he talks a lot about faithfulness, and uh, his life looks really crazy. It's just sort of this ongoing experiment in following um, See, all of these people know that learning is about change and growth. And the more mysterious a subject is, the more complex it is, the more we need to be led into the experience by someone who has maybe been there or who knows more about it than us. Jesus can't lecture you into following him, but he can ask you to come with him and he can go in front of you and show you the way. Life isn't really about formulas and rules and standards. Life is messy complex and mysterious. It's beautiful, wonderful, challenging. And that's why we've been given this way to follow. Life is, is like I've been saying, moving and dynamic. And if you remember at the beginning, I was saying that life, uh, I tried to give an example of it, which was these guys singing. Um, so if life is complex and moving and changing, and the only way we can experience it is to learn about it, and the only way we can learn about it is to follow somebody who knows about it, then, then, then we sort of have this one alternative, which is follow me. So there's this, this weird thing that happens in the symbol of the cross. See, first you've got to understand that uh, the cross in the first century was, was actually, I think they talked about it as crux. I think this was the word for it. And the crux was uh, sort of like we imagine the, the, uh, the four-letter word that starts with an F. You know, like you definitely would not go into dinner and talk about the cross with your family at, at whatever gathering. It was sort of that word that was beeped out, you know. Uh, so, you know, uh, I think the thing that I want to say about the cross is that the crux is that it has, I think for me, it has two clear messages. One is that uh, it, whatever story has been told isn't the one that has to continue. Um, maybe your dad is an alcoholic, maybe your mom uh, has cheated on your dad and they got divorced, maybe you struggle with cutting, maybe you uh, aren't cool, maybe the list goes on and on and, and I could fill in a bunch for myself. But the good news is that that isn't the way that it has to go. That isn't what has been isn't what has to be. And I think that is one of the, the major messages that we, that we see in the cross. The second is that there's no death. So Jesus got killed physically, which is something that happens to all of us. I don't know if you noticed, uh, but that seems to be the end of the life cycle. Um, but that's not it. It's not over then. That's not the end of the story. So this is why we follow Jesus, because as we follow him, we find the way of God. As we live into the way of God, we begin to live in a way that we can call life. We call it full and wonderful and beautiful. Success is defined by faithfulness, not by number of toys, wealth, or job status, or whatever your parents taught you that success was. I'm still learning how to push that off 
from my own parents. We cannot be afraid because there is no death. Sure, there's physical death. We came from dirt. But I don't know how else to say it. That's not the end of the story. The story that has been isn't the story that has to be. So I think finally the reason then that I want to follow Jesus, that I strive to follow Jesus, is because otherwise I'm lost. I don't, I don't know how the story ends if I don't follow Jesus. Following Jesus is about finding the way. And again, when I was in Indonesia, one of the things that I was reminded of was that, you know, people, a lot of Christians, particularly Western Christians, they use this verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And they say, if you don't sit in these pews here on Sunday morning, and you don't talk about Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're going to go to hell. And we don't even know exactly what that is anyway. But we talk about it a lot. So I've, I've met a lot of, like, a lot of Buddhists, a lot of Hindus. Um, I shouldn't say a lot, like five or six. Um, <laughs> a lot of people different than me. And I just think, man, these guys are really cool. And they seem like there's this element of faithfulness in their life that is different even than mine, that is more faithful than my faithfulness. And I'm like, I'm a Western Christian. You know, clearly God has blessed me because I have money and, and a nice house. Um, I'm sorry, I'll try to keep the, the sarcasm down. Um, so think about how many names in the Bible there are for Jesus. There's the Son of Man, there's the Son of God, the King of the Jews, the King of Kings, Lord, Shepherd, on and on, right? I mean, are there more? <laughs> okay, a lot more. It's been confirmed by the Bible major. So, you know, you don't have to be a Western Christian and you don't have to talk about Jesus in a certain way to follow him. He talked about following, not necessarily prescribing to this set of beliefs. In fact, all the people who bought this set of beliefs and set of rules, he said, you know, you're generally wrong. You've got it, you've got it backwards. You do, however, have to be interested, open, and willing. My boss, uh, who, who I think is crazy, um, see, this is why camp is a strange place, because our board chairs are crazy, and they hire 22-year-olds, and, uh, and then we hire people like Elvis, and it's just, it's just crazy. Uh, so anyway, he says that the one prerequisite to being with God is willingness. He says, as long as you're willing, God will begin to work and change you and, and go with you. So that's the thing, we have to be willing. And you can be a willing Buddhist, you can be a willing Muslim, you can be a willing Christian, or you can be an unwilling Christian, and you can have a really hard time following the way of Jesus. Sorry, not following the way of Jesus, following the person of Jesus. So it's hard, though, it's hard to become willing, but as soon as we become willing, that's when it gets easy, but it's still hard. So it's easy and hard at the same time, like Jesus said... <laughs> Paul, you know, I think it's in 1 Corinthians, he talks about uh, how it's so easy to follow Jesus, but then a chapter later he says that you have to work out your faith, you know, like there's all this work in it for you. So figure out what that means and email me. Um, so I think, you know, finally what I want to say is, is that you should consider coming to camp. I promised, I promised my friends that I would not say you must come to Bethany Birch's camp but you should anyway. Uh, but, but I think, you know, in general, our goal is 
Our goal as camp people is to get people to camp because it's a special place. I think uh, you should come to camp so you can remember. I think you should come to camp uh, so you can remember how to live, so you can begin to live and be uninhibited like when you were a kid. You know, you used to go out after school and just, just play in the yard or read your book or, or whatever you did as a kid. Like, remember how to be a kid. Follow Jesus to save the world and come to camp to learn how to follow Jesus. So I was given the task to take pictures from everyone's different camps and put them together in a presentation. After looking at some of these pictures, I realized why you guys do what you do, because these places are amazing. They're beautiful. And you get to live there and work with these kids every day. And so um, we have a presentation I put together of all the places that we were at. Um, each of us um, were at different places all over the country. And so in the presentation, you'll see our name followed by pictures of where we are at, some of the things that we've done, and, and as well as what camp we were at.
myself for putting that together. I'd also like to thank, uh, take a moment to thank Darren Schwarzenegger, who put up these t-shirt visual for us. We really appreciate that. Thanks, Darren. Um, and thank you again to all the camp reps we have here this morning. We have a lot. Don't waste this chance to go and talk to them. They will be in the union right after chapel. They'll be around there all day. Um, and I'd like to, before you go, just end in a closing prayer. So let's pray the words of the prophet Isaiah from Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. Let's pray. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit, they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. Amen. Go in peace. <laughs>